Hey guys, it's Dawn. If you would like to hear the How My Parents Raised Me podcast ad-free, and if you would like access to subscriber-only episodes, join me in the What's the Truth community. You can join via the Apple Podcast app. There's a link right there in the app. Or go to whatsthetruth.supercast.com. Links are in the show notes. Don't miss out on all the extra content I'm sharing. I can't wait to see you over there. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to How My Parents Raised Me. I'm Dawn Chitty. When we are born, we arrive here as pure and perfect souls. And the direction our life takes from that moment is deeply connected to what our parents bring to our lives. And what our parents bring to our lives is deeply connected to what their parents brought to their lives. And that's the cycle of families. I have always craved connection with real and raw stories to understand what makes you, you? What makes you the absolutely unique human that you are? Stories are medicine for the soul. They can connect us and they can change the world. And so in this podcast, I'm listening to beautiful souls sharing their story. What happened to them, how they got through and how they have healed and thrived despite everything to arrive right here in this moment. Content warning, if you are triggered by the themes of this podcast, please seek a helpline in your city. Hello my beautiful friends, it's Dawn and welcome back to the podcast. It takes just one person to make a difference in somebody else's life. One person to connect to understand, to offer kindness, care and love. 
When Amanda was 16, she was already at rock bottom. She had grown up in a home where she was abandoned by her mother and physically abused by her stepfather. She had been suicidal and self-harming. She was taking drugs and alcohol and she had run away from home. In this quick chat, I am hearing how a kid who was totally lost, totally abandoned and alone, turned her life around through the kindness of one person. So I remember feeling mocked about it a little bit and just sort of like brushed off and getting the message implicitly or explicitly that that I was kind of on my own with this and that I shouldn't be, like it was selfish to feel this way and it was a burden and all this stuff. So I was just trying to like keep it together. Yeah, well, that's, that's awful. So then by the age of 16, how were you going with your life at that point? So at that point, I was finally getting um, really fed up with my stepdad and him hitting me and all this stuff. So I called my dad and I was like, look, this is what's happening. Can I live with you? He didn't believe me at first, which we still talk about. Like there's, we've had to make amends. He's made amends and apologized, but he didn't believe me. I convinced him. I went and moved out there to Colorado from Wisconsin and pretty much right away just became like the rebellious teenager, like in any way that you could think of, right? Like cigarettes and weed. And then that turned into hard drugs. And then that turned into sneaking out of the house and hanging out with guys 10 years older than me and just lying and running around. And again, it was just all of this unhandled trauma and like emotional stuff and, and the drugs and stuff just felt like medicine. I knew that I had this depression and I knew that I had this problem feeling suicidal, but when I was high or when I was drunk, I felt like I could manage that. And that was actually like me just trying to be normal in the world. Yeah. Well, it's like trying to manage your own nervous system, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah. Because when you go through that stuff, you, you end up being such a mess and your nervous system's a wreck and it's just a way of calming yourself down, I suppose. So did you yeah. get did you get drug addicted? Yeah, nothing about the way that I drank or used was normal from the very beginning. Like I was chugging whiskey out of bottles as a teenager and blacking out and you know hurting myself just real extreme. Definitely having those scenarios that most people would call a rock bottom situation and they were just happening for me over and over again from the beginning. Wow. And so yeah. had you found like a group of kids that you were hanging out with? Is this why you started doing all of these things? You think you've sort of found a group of kids that were doing similar stuff? Yeah, I had, I found some high school friends that, you know, would, we'd sneak out together or party. And then we had connected with some people that were older than us. Like they were 20 somethings with their own apartment. And I don't know how we became friends with them, but we did. <laughs> so it was just like the place to be every weekend. And and how, do, how was your dad coping with all this? Oh, my poor dad. He didn't know <laughs> what to do, right? Like I told you he'd seen us maybe once a year. And now all of a sudden I'm, I'm in his house. He's remarried at this point. She was very like, I don't know about this, but she, she gave it the go ahead. And they did try very hard to like, let me be myself. And they, you know, they let me do my hair the way I wanted and listen to the music that I wanted. I was into the punk rock scene. So it was blue hair and mohawks and crazy clothes and piercings. And they didn't mind that stuff so much. But then when the behavioral stuff started coming up, they were like, we have no idea what to do. Yeah. And I eventually ran away from home because I, I got word that 
there was talk of sending me to some kind of camp, like sending me away to get treatment. And I didn't want to do that. So I ran away. Okay. So what happened when you ran away? Um, I was 16 and I had this boyfriend who had a bus ticket to some town and he's like, go to this town and it's friendly to kids like you and you'll find your way basically. Wow. So I, yeah. So I went to this random town and just like got off the bus and sat on a bench and just sort of hung out. And this girl came up to me who she was a punk too. Like I had patches on my clothes of bands and she was like, oh, I like that band too. So we started talking and she said, a bunch of us are going to Milwaukee to live in this punk house together and you can come. And so I went with them and stayed in this house. And then I actually went back to live with my mom for a while and then left there right away because it was still the same shit. And then just kind of been on my own making it work ever since. Wow, that's amazing. How did you end up getting your stuff together at some point? Um, well, I've always worked. Like I had my first job when I was 14 and then I waited tables. And so I always was very like scrappy and resourceful that way and willing to get a job. And so I'd piece things together. Like I'd get a job and then I'd have enough for an apartment and I'd live there. I remember one time I stayed in a women's shelter and then um, got public assistance to get into an apartment. And then I worked two jobs and gradually took over the whole rent myself. And I was really proud of that. But at this point, like my addiction was in full swing and it was just getting worse. And so anytime I got anything together, it would fall apart. Um, and, and a lot of it was like staying way too long in terrible relationships because I didn't have the money to leave, you know, moving in with the guy because he had a place that was kind of a pattern as well. Just trying to like keep a roof over my head. Yeah. And what were you like at that stage? Were you really shy still? I was still very, very painfully awkward and shy, but I drank so much that that gave me, I had tons of friends. I was at all the parties. I was rowdy and loud and rambunctious, but none of that, that was all just a facade, right? Like yeah. the real me was like terribly uncomfortable without alcohol. I was attracting terrible relationships. I felt like I couldn't really keep friendships well because I was never really like showing the real me. So it was still very miserable and still pretty depressed and suicidal too. Like it would come and go in waves yeah, depending on where the circumstances were. But yeah, that stuff never really got fixed. It just sort of would go underground and I kind of learned how to act a little bit better, but still yeah. super uncomfortable. So how did you get over your drug addiction? Oh man, it's so funny. I actually got sober in a liquor store. <laughs> huh? I had just been in, I was completely demoralized and dead inside. It felt like the suicidal stuff was like back full force. I was in the most abusive, terrible, frightening relationship yet. I was blacking out constantly. I had a minimum wage job making sandwiches that I was about to get fired from. Just everything was terrible. And I went into the liquor store because I was drinking around the clock and I was paying with change and my hands were shaking. It's like eight in the morning. And this woman who worked there was just looking at me and she was always very kind to me. I felt like her demeanor with me was just like non-judgmental. And I just ended up crying to her. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I can't live like this. I'm so miserable. I've completely messed everything up. I can't stop drinking. And she came around from the counter and she sat and listened to me for like 30 minutes. And then she told me that she was an AA, Alcoholics Anonymous. And that blew my mind. And I think if anyone else had told me about AA, I would have just brushed them off. But the fact that she could own this liquor store and not even care about all the alcohol surrounding her, that meant something to me. Because I, I didn't think I'd ever be able to get sober because I thought I would just be craving it the whole time. And so to have someone like her that was surrounded by it and just didn't even care 
And she was sober for 10 years at that point. And I was like, I need that. I want that. And so she told me where to go to a meeting. And I went on my own that next day. And then she took me to a meeting later and I've been sober ever since. Oh my goodness. That's amazing. And we're still friends too. Yeah. <laughs> so she was like this angel that just came down and, and what an amazing person to meet. Yeah. And she mentored me in so many ways too, about being confident and being a woman that could stand proud and be myself. Like she, she was just tremendous. She was such a good example of just a confident and, you know, just a woman taking care of herself in the world. And yeah, she was great. She loved me so well. She was like, like a mom slash big sister slash cool aunt, you know? <laughs> yeah. And now amazing. I've been sober. Yeah. Six years and eight months today. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's congratulations. That's amazing. And I just think it's just one person that comes into your life because how many people before that person had done anything like that for you? Nobody. It's so funny. It started with the listening. Like I had known about AA before I had a therapist who was like, look, I can't talk to you until you get this drinking shit under control. And he gave me the big book, the AA big book. And it just sat on my shelf. But yeah, that piece of, I had been sensing for months before we even had this encounter that she wasn't judging me, that she cared about me. She'd have this look in her eyes of just like, compassion. And of course, later I learned it's because she had been there, done that, and she knew exactly what I was going through, but it wasn't on her to say it until I was ready. Yeah. Yeah. So I love that story because it's like, if people are looking to help someone else going through a situation, like don't underestimate what your kindness and listening and non-judgment and compassion can really do for a person. Yes. And I think that's a really good one to remember, isn't it? That we don't need to go in and try and solve everything for another person. We just have to say we're there for you and, and just let them know that there's somebody that cares, I suppose. Thank you for being on this journey of healing and community with me. If you listen on Apple, I would love it if you could take a moment to post a review for the podcast. It would mean a lot. Check the show notes for all links recommended in this episode. If you're on Instagram, follow me at my big love project and please share this episode with someone you know needs to hear it. Thank you for joining me. You are such an incredible soul because you are you. You are unique, your journey is unique, and you can absolutely change the world with your story. Your time is precious, and I so appreciate you being here. Thanks for joining me. I'll catch you next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.